two weeks ago when I was here last, we looked at one verse, an entire sermon on one verse, and that was, that was Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And we looked at that sermon for the, uh, or that verse for the entire sermon because if we misunderstand what is happening in that verse, it's going to lead us to misunderstanding so many other important concepts in the verses and the chapters to come in the book of Romans. You see, because wrong concepts lead to wrong practices. Let me say that a different way. Mistaken theology leads to mistakes in life. And um, your beliefs, whatever your beliefs are, it determines your actions. And so today, we're going to look at some eternal truths about death and life. And our passage today is Romans chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. First, I want to have a little recap over uh, what we learned a few weeks ago, because it has been a couple of weeks. A few of you may not have been here, and and, uh, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, I should say, does not state, it does not state that because of Adam's sin, guilt spread to all people. That's the common traditional view, but that's not what the verse says. Says It says that because of Adam's sin, death spread to all people. And that's why even sometimes innocent infants die. Adam and Eve forfeited the privilege of living in God's presence in the Garden of Eden where humanity had the opportunity to dwell with God forever, having immortality, if you will. Uh, But Adam's sin stripped away immortality from Adam and Eve, and from all of their children. And so that's exactly what Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us. It says, Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, so that all sinned. You see, living apart from the very presence of God, especially for Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, that makes it inevitable that we will sin if indeed we live long enough to begin making moral choices. So preborn babies and infants and other uh, categories of people we might call innocents who never die, excuse me, who die never have the opportunity to make a moral choice. Guilt is not inherited from Adam, but we become guilty When we disobey God, again, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says nothing about guilt. It only speaks of death. Now, even if you disagree with this, my view, and and you prefer to believe the traditional view, which if I was uh, not being nice, I would call it the innocence are guilty doctrine, um, it's important that you know where my interpretation is coming from so you can see where it leads today and in the weeks to come. And my interpretation basically comes from taking the Bible at face value, letting it speak for itself without inserting theological systems, preconceived ideas into my reading of it. And those who wish to read the concept of guilt into Romans chapter 5, verse 12 have the burden of making a case from science. With that in mind, I want us to journey ever so gently forward And take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 12 again, and we'll read through verse 21. And when you found the place, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word? Romans chapter 5, 
verse 12 through verse 21. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, and you can read silently as we move along. And the verses should appear on the screen behind me. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, so that all sinned. Verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Verse 15, But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by, if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we seek to understand this passage of your word, that you would grant us understanding so that we might know what really happens in death and in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, big picture. Adam sinned, and because of that, all humans die. Again, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men so that all sinned. Sin brought death into the world. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were banished from the realm of immortality. They were banished from the Garden of Eden where the presence of God was. And now they had entered into a realm where death was inevitable. And all of their descendants, all of humanity, all of us, old and young and black and white and rich and poor, it doesn't matter, we all also live in this realm of death. But 
1446 B.C., God gave His law, the Ten Commandments, to a man named Moses. God gave His law to humanity. You might wonder, what's the big deal about the Ten Commandments? Well, prior to the Ten Commandments, did people die? Well, of course they did. Why did they die? Well, the same reason people die today. Because of Adam's sin. And so the Ten Commandments, the giving of the Ten Commandments didn't change that. Well, you might ask, well, was there something else that the Ten Commandments changed? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Yes, there was. Let's find out what that was. Verse 13. For until the law. In other words, from Adam on day one, whatever day that was, from Adam all the way until 1446 B.C., when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, all of that time, sin, verse 13 says, was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, what in the world does that mean? Sin was not imputed when there is no law. Well, to impute something means to assign it. It means to ascribe it. And so, without the law being given, before the law was given, before the Ten Commandments came, sin was not assigned to humanity's account. So if you can consider, if humanity had some type of a spiritual bank account, it would be like, well, the check is written, but it hadn't cleared. Not yet. It's like humanity said, Lord, I've sinned against you, so I'm going to write you a check. Would you take it post-dated? Don't hold me accountable yet. Not yet. Can you hold on to that until my paycheck is deposited to my account? So, prior to the Ten Commandments, God didn't hold humanity fully accountable for their sin. Now, to be sure, there were still certain consequences. People still died, obviously. But physical death is not the final judgment of God. God didn't hold man fully accountable. Not yet. That would come later, and thankfully that day is still yet to come. And so because God is fair, here's what God did. God let, before God would hold mankind fully accountable, God wanted to let mankind know what they did wrong. And so God let mankind know what His standards were what he expected of humans. And this is embodied in the Ten Commandments. A full accounting, a final judgment, would only occur at some point after the Ten Commandments were given. So in other words, once the Ten Commandments were given to mankind, it, it would be completely fair and right for God to, to judge us. At any point after the Ten Commandments were given, God could have said, that's it. I'm going to judge all of humanity now. For once and for, with, with all finality. But, fortunately for us, God chose to be kind. He chose to be tolerant. He chose to be patient. Because as Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. You see, God does not want to punish you for your sin. He's patient toward you. He's giving you time to repent. But don't think that you have all the time in the world. 
You do not. The time that you have to repent from your sin and have faith in Jesus Christ is shorter than you think. Today can be the day of your salvation. Let's look at verse 14. Paul writes, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of, of him who was to come. So here, Paul pictures death as a king. A king that cannot be defeated. A king that has no equal. Death is reigning over all of humanity. Death even reigns over humanity's kings. Death is reigning to the point that it is undefeated. Death reigned from Adam all the way until Moses who received the Ten Commandments. Even people who didn't sin like Adam did, they died. Adam, how did, how did Adam sin? Adam sinned this way. Okay, God, I understand what you're saying. Don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I understand what you're saying, God, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat of the tree. Adam knew deliberately what he was doing. He deliberately chose to disobey God. He knowingly chose to disobey God. But there are some who never sinned like that. Again, infants and other innocents, they didn't choose to disobey God, not like Adam did. But they die sometimes, don't they? Yeah, because death reigned. So even though the law of God had not been given to Moses yet, death still reigned as the undefeated king. Question, did the Ten Commandments change that? I mean, when the Ten Commandments were given to Moses, did that stop death? No, obviously not. And so even though the law was inserted, people still died. And we still die, all of us. But there was still hope. Even if God's law for humanity didn't stop death, well, maybe that's because God's law was never meant to stop death. Maybe God had some other plan. And that's what Paul alludes to at the end of verse 14. Because listen to what he says about Adam at the end of verse 14. He says, he is a type of him who was to come. Do you know what a type is? You ever have one of those old typewriters? I'm not talking about the kind you plug into the wall. I'm not talking about electronic typewriter. I mean the real typewriter. The old ones, right? And you remember those? The ones that I'm dating myself that I had to use in typing class in 10th grade. One of those that had the ribbon and all of that. Every key on the keyboard is physically connected on those old typewriters to a lever. And at the end of that letter, there's a metal molding of the letter that you want to put on that page. And so when you press down on the key, it extends that lever to where the metal molding impresses an ink-covered ribbon onto that paper. And the image that's left on the paper is a type of the molding that is at the end of the letter of the lever. Now the molding at the end of the lever and the image on the paper, those are two separate things. But 
they share some striking similarities. And so Paul says that Adam is a type of someone who was to come. Now, Paul doesn't name who it is just yet, but since we've already read the whole passage, you can probably figure out that he's talking about Jesus Christ. Paul is less interested, actually, in the similarities right now between Adam and Jesus than he is in their differences. And he says in verse 15, if you'll read that, he says, but the free gift, that's the gift of grace through Jesus Christ, the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abound to the many. All right, so now in these verses, I know we're getting a little deep here, but I need you to pay special attention to a couple of different words. One of them is the word many, and one of them is the word all. And you'll see what I mean in just a minute. Paul writes in verse 15, For if by the transgression of the one, that's Adam, the many died. Time out. Why does Paul say that the many died? I mean, didn't Adam's sin result in death for everyone? Shouldn't he have said, by the transgression of the one, we all died? Why didn't he say that? Well, I believe that Paul is not referring to physical death here, which everyone will suffer. But I think that Paul is referring to the second death, which not everyone will suffer. I want you to see uh, an image on the screen behind me, this graphic here, it shows you some events that will happen in Revelation chapter 20. Now there's a lot more that goes on in Revelation 20 than these four things. But these four things will happen. Number one, there will be a first resurrection. This is a resurrection of beheaded martyrs who died for their faith. And I know some of you are thinking, wait a second. I was always taught that the first resurrection was all believers, not just martyred believers. Again, I'm just telling you what a plain reading of Revelation 20 says. And so, um, you know, if, if you have some other system that says otherwise, it will have to do battle with Revelation chapter 20. The plain reading says, beheaded martyrs will be raised at the first resurrection. Later, there will be a second resurrection. And that will include everyone else. The righteous dead and the unrighteous dead. And then third, the books will be opened. And the unrighteous will be judged based on their deeds, which are written in the books. And finally, number four, the unrighteous will be cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. So what will happen to people that do not receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and they die in their unrighteousness? Scripture tells us very clearly that they will die a first time. And then they will be raised to life in order to be judged. And then they will be cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. Paul knows this. And I believe that he's saying in verse 15, if by Adam's sin, many people, but not all people, died at the second death, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. What many? The righteousness and the gift of the... Lord Jesus Christ abounded to the many righteous people who won't suffer the second death. You might wonder, well, why in the world is Paul using past tense if he's talking about something in the future? Well, because it's already settled. 
And I don't mean that your eternal fate is already settled. That's up to you. Depending on what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. But what is settled is the fact that the judgment and the second death will happen to the unrighteous. And the grace of God will be experienced by those who are righteous through Jesus Christ. That's what's already settled. And that's why Paul speaks in the past tense as if it's already been completed. But even if, even if you disagree with me and you think that Paul is talking about physical death in verse 15, he's still speaking in the past tense about people who haven't yet died. Verse 16. The gift, this is the gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ, is not like that which came through the one who sinned, through Adam. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. In other words, Adam's sin resulted in the condemnation of many people who will suffer the second death. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for one sin. He didn't just die for Adam's sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for numerous sins. His death resulted in our justification. And so in other words, when Jesus died, he paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be right with God. That's what it means to be justified with God. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, that's the man Adam, death reigned through the one, through Adam, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Paul's saying that all you have to do to receive uh, is say yes and receive God's free gift of grace. Just follow Jesus. And you'll never suffer the second death. So Adam brought sin and death into the world, and it affects all of us, but Jesus he brings grace and life eternal to us if only we'll receive it. It's available to all, but many will refuse to receive it. Verse 18, it begins, So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation, to all men. Let's stop there. This is easy enough to understand. Adam's transgression resulted in human beings uh, being put under the condemnation of, of death. And even infants and other innocents die. Verse 18 continues. It says, Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Verse 18 has caused a lot of people a lot of problems. Because if you look at it on, on the surface, it looks like it's teaching universalism. It looks like it's teaching that Jesus died on the cross and everyone gets to go to heaven. But that's not what Paul's teaching. That's not what Scripture teaches. In fact, this very chapter doesn't teach that elsewhere. And so what, what's he talking about here? What Paul is saying is that what Jesus did on the cross enabled life to come to all people. But there are many who re reject it. Many receive, but many others don't. And verse 19 makes this clear. Paul says, As through one man's disobedience, that's Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Again, he, he says, through Adam's sin, the many 
were made sinners. Again, another question. Why didn't Paul say through Adam's sin, all were made sinners? Why does he limit it to the many? I believe that it's, again, because of the infants and the other innocents. They never personally sinned, but they do die. Death and sin in verses 18 and 19 look like this graphic. All people die. It's universal. But according to these two verses, many sin. Some die before they're, too, before they're old enough to disobey God. Had they lived long enough, they certainly would have also sinned, just like we do. But here's what obedience and life look like in these verses. All people could live. All people could experience eternal life. Some actually do. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, all people could be justified before God and receive eternal life. But some refuse God's gift. One final question. What purpose did God's law serve then? I mean, why in the world did God give us the Ten Commandments? Verse 20 tells us, The law came in so that transgression would increase. You might say, well, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? I mean, why would God want our sins to increase? Well, here's what you need to understand. We were already sinners. Humanity was already sinners before the law came. We were already under the curse of death before the law came. The law didn't change that, but the law let us see why. Why were we sinners? Why were we under the curse of death? Through the Ten Commandments, we discovered that worshiping other gods was wrong, and dishonoring our parents was wrong, and murder was wrong, and adultery was wrong, and stealing was wrong, and lying was wrong, and coveting was wrong. But we kept on doing it, even after we learned that it was wrong. We kept on disobeying God. Even God, after God made it as clear as He can. These ten things thou shalt not do. What did we do? We kept doing all of them. Every last one of them. And the more we sinned, hopefully, the more we realized that we needed God's help. We need a Savior. Because not only are we in a mess, because of what Adam did, not only are we going to suffer death someday, but God has now shown us the right thing to do, and we keep doing the wrong thing. We need a Savior. And so many people, but certainly not all, have cried out to God for mercy. And they have found the Savior. He is Jesus of Nazareth. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our King. Verse 20 continues, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Verse 21 says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
Sin, we still suffer it. Death, we still suffer it. But these two are temporary enemies. Now, grace reigns. Now, Jesus has defeated the one undefeated king that no one else could defeat. Jesus has defeated death itself. The grace of God has overcome the one power that you are powerless against, the power of sin. But grace has overcome it. You can have the grace of God, which is the forgiveness of all of your sins. You can have eternal life, and I'm talking about immortality. Immortality. When you're raised from the grave and the final judgments are pronounced, if your name is written in the book of life, you will not suffer the second death. How do you do that? How do you gain the forgiveness of God? How do you gain eternal life? By saying yes to Jesus. By following Him and submitting your life to Him. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the grave, if you confess with your mouth that He is Lord, the Bible says, you will be saved.